Welcome back to Safe Talk with Safe Start. I'm Danny Smith, and joining me today is uh, my podcast partner, Tim Page Bodorf. Uh, Tim, how are you doing today? Man, Danny, I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Up in the corporate office today, but uh, things are things are really busy, and um, I appreciate you asking. How about yourself? How are you doing? Doing well. It's been a busy day, uh, but uh, all in all, it's uh, it's been productive. So you never complain when it's a productive day, right? So in preparing for this podcast, uh, I really wanted to kind of jump into the idea of uh, the power of intervening on other people's behalf. And uh, it, it's interesting because it, it really came kind of as a a byproduct of uh, of what I was thinking about for something else we were working on. But I think it's something that's a really fascinating subject for us to explore a bit. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Danny. I think when we all first started all this business with Safe Start, even say even with Larry 20 years ago, when we got introduced, the primary focus for us was just literally accident prevention only. So this is kind of new. This is good. Yeah. And, you know, it, it wasn't that we weren't thinking about applying to performance. I mean, but we realized that it was, for example, a great communication tool and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, accident prevention is certainly a noble pursuit, but uh, I think everybody can understand as well that, you know, once you've achieved your goals with the TRIRs or you've got that turn going the right direction, um, it's easy then to kind of rest on your laurels a bit and, and, at the same time, you always feel like there's something else you can do. And I think this idea of intervening is certainly a part of that. And it can really kind of feeds back into culture, right? And we'll get into that a bit as we go forward. Yeah, I got to tell you, Danny, I'm just looking back when I was kind of starting out in this business as a safety professional, that's literally what attracted me to Safe Start. And I know we've had arguments with Larry in regards to my skepticism in the very beginning. But you know what? You talk to a lot of safety folks, they get some skepticism. But, you know, in the beginning, we weren't thinking about human performance. I mean, let alone leadership and rate your state and the individual and organizational learning loops, all those things that we do now, even with the critical decision units that we had. And for sure, not that you and I will be hosting a podcast, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, we've really come... A long way, baby, is, uh, well, I'm not calling you baby, but that's a famous Loretta Lynn <laughs> quote there, I guess. Uh, Loretta Lynn song anyway, right? <laughs> Bit of a throwback there. Right? I mean, come <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm one of those people that's going to have to go to U2 University on that one, Danny. Yeah, I understand. Well, you know, I grew up on that style of music. And uh, while you're YouTubing uh, that, uh, you, you can look up the King as well. And I don't mean Elvis or Michael, by the way. I'm talking about the, the King Georges, as in George Jones and George Strait. Anyway, back on task, Danny. Let's focus here. Uh, mind on task. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny to say mind on task as we're talking about safe start terminology. But, uh, well, we can have a few jokes with this as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. Uh, regardless of their intent, you know, they're reinforcing the concepts of Safe Start when they joke like that. And it soon sure. kind of becomes, you know, part of their lexicon, I guess, with a lack of better terms. I think just to put it simply, it's just the way we communicate safety around here, whether it's joking or not, they're still reinforcing. Then I, I got to say, it's kind of just a matter of time until you see actual intervention beginning on each other's behalf. It's kind of like a cool organic little thing sure yeah and 
With the benefit of kind of the 2020 hindsight, uh, this happened quite organically, meaning that it was, you know, maybe not a part of the original overall plan, but I do give us credit for picking up on it earlier and then passing along that lesson to other people. Uh, you know, if I go back and put kind of my old operations hat back on for a second, uh, back before I moved into safety, uh, you know, if we were doing accident investigations back in the day, uh, and I'm talking BS uh, before Safe Start, not sure what you were thinking there, but before <laughs> Safe Start, the answer would, would always be, you know, seem somewhat bother me. I'm talking to coworkers after an accident and, and would say, you know, how, how or why did this happen? And it would be something like, well, he or she's always done it that way. And my next question would always be, well, why didn't you say something when you saw them doing that? Why didn't you say something about the unsafe behavior? And more times than not, it was, I don't know, just kind of the shrug of the shoulders or the, you know, the I don't know, or, or we've always done it that way ourselves kind of deal, right? Yeah, sometimes you probably got to, Danny. Isn't that your job? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, thinking of, I mean, thinking about it, we really, we've come a long way and I get it. But I've known you for over 20 years now and I know that, uh, I know the safety leader that you have become and what you were. And I am going to tell you, I believe that you're really a conscientious one. That means that you encourage intervention and that you allow people to speak up and you include them in safety decisions. Um, but for most people that are listening right now, you, you, you've got to have the right culture to allow that to happen first. Yes. And so that's known as psychological safety. And I, I know a lot of you listening. Um, I did a podcast on that back in you know January of 2022, along with a good friend of mine, Rosa Antonio Carrillo who also wrote a book on the relationship factor. And sometimes if you don't have that relationship, people just don't speak up. And quadrant number one of psychological safety is to include your people in the safety decisions. And I suspect creating a culture, Danny, where people feel safe speaking up really wasn't your challenge. You know, you're, you're right. You know, looking back, I, well, I didn't say we didn't know what to communicate, but Safe Start kind of gave us the mechanism. And as I often say, as we often say, kind of the vocabulary uh, and the terminology to, to relate to each other. Uh, I just want everybody to be able to, to know what to say and to be able to say it faster, you know, and, and help each other to prevent things from happening. And I, I think with that too, if you, if you set that as an expectation and as a goal, then I believe it certainly can happen, but you're right. I mean, We've got to create that environment, first of all, where people feel safe to speak up. Uh, I mean, I dare say it's an expectation, and, and I don't mean that in a gotcha kind of way, but um, you know, I think it's really important that people do begin to, to look at ways they can help each other with this stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. And that gotcha kind of way, um, it's funny that you mention it because it's mostly perceived negatively. And I have to say that if you say gotcha for doing something good, then you can turn that around into a positive safety culture. But uh, I, have, I have to go back to some of the things that you've said in the past, and I know I've said it, and I, both, I think both of us can agree that our producer has said it too, Kevin. Uh, but Larry's 4x4x4 technology, the four states, four errors, and four critical error reduction techniques – really took human factors, which I believe is a complex subject altogether, and made it quite efficient. As a matter of fact, it became a model 
that addressed errors specifically in the workplace. You know, I know we've expanded that out to 24-7, but that kind of reminds me of something. I know both of us have been uh, been involved with the Safe Start implementation. We've seen it rolled out, and we've been to many different organizations in the past and probably in the future. But with all of these organizations that we've been to, some of them even had multiple sites. And in an effort to kind of get every site culturally aligned, it kind of speaks to your point of everyone understanding the Safe Start language. And I'm going to say maybe an example might help put this into context. So I'm wondering, Danny, do you got an example that can help us out? Sure. This goes back, uh, well, a number of years, uh, back when I was still working uh, uh, for my former employer. I was uh, walking through one of the plants one day, uh, actually doing a safety inspection, oddly enough. Uh, And I was walking through the facility, and I came from one part of our warehouse where there was some pallet racking. And uh, I I was coming over to one of our pre-staging areas going out to our production floor. And I noticed one of our, well, he was one of our best forklift operators. Uh, He was probably, I don't know, 20, 30 feet away from me. And I saw him move a couple of pallets and then stop. And he kind of checked the clipboard that he had there on his uh, forklift with him, looking for the next item to go find and pull and bring out to the staging area. And uh, he he sat there for a minute, and again, I'm like 20, 30 feet away from him, and all of a sudden, I noticed his head start to kind of go down. And at first, I thought he was looking at his pool ticket. Uh, no, I realize now, he was really just struggling to stay awake. I didn't know that at the time, though. Uh, he had been working a lot of overtime, probably not getting enough sleep, and you bet you can guess the rest, right? So literally, uh, he, he started backing up almost in slow motion. Uh, and at first, I, I didn't really realize that he was asleep at the wheel. Uh, he was you know, still, I thought, looking at his, his punch list, which is not a good thing to be looking at your punch list and, and your, your pool ticket while you're backing up. But I thought that's what he was doing. So I kind of stepped to the right a little bit. And sure enough, uh, the forklift starts kind of following me. It's almost like it had a tracking beacon on me there. <laughs> so uh, I'm watching that. And then uh, I, I kind of stepped back to the left because I knew that even though I'm big, I'd probably still lose that battle with the forklift, right, if it runs into me, even though it was low speed. So uh, I moved to the left, and sure enough, it's just like it was following. You know, And all of a sudden, I saw his head kind of jerk up real quickly, and he was still looking forward. And he really, I don't think he even realized how far he'd backed up already. Um, and, you know, it was, he still hadn't realized that I was there, you know. So anyway, I moved further out of the, as we would say, using the safe start terminology, I moved out of the line of fire, right? And he slowly backed past me. Uh, you could tell the look on his face. He was still kind of groggy. And I think he was a little shocked to see me there, honestly. Uh, so anyway, I just stopped and had a conversation with him there. And uh, we talked a little bit. And uh, I laughed about it and said, man, if I didn't know better, I would have sworn you were aiming for me there. And he was like, no, no. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I probably should have just, you know, as we would say, when you're driving a a personal vehicle, you know, probably pull over and get some rest, move around a bit there. Uh, He said that's probably what he needed to do even with the forklift, you know, get up, move around, get a cup of coffee, go outside, get a little breath of fresh air, that kind of thing. Um, anyway, we, we talked about, you know, doing the shoulder check before moving, uh, especially when you're really, really tired. Although I think he was probably out cold there for a second. So that probably wouldn't have helped, but, uh, you know, just encourage him to do things like, you know, taking that quick break, uh, 
getting the fresh air, all of those things, you know, try to get some extra rest that night, you know, those type things. Um, I think just that small interaction there really got him thinking, uh, you know, what could happen if, because he's exhausted, you know, he backs into somebody, he backs into something. Uh, and I think it really kind of brought him back to the moment, if you will. Yeah, that's a great example, bringing back to the moment. And I know that uh, there's been times where you and I both probably have been out on a long drive and we've experienced literally just the same thing. So thanks for sharing that, Danny. I, I, I kind of got one too. And, you know, I just was thinking about this because it took intervention to get people to stop what they were doing and they, using a term from our safe lead process, which is pause, think and respond. Um, acts absolutely fits for this for this example. So I went straight to a plant manager right after a major event, and it was in a string of events that have occurred. And the obviously the the first couple of events were all reviewed and scheduled and had the accident and the investigation and all those things that happened. But uh, let's just for all intents and purposes, we're going to call this plant manager Jose. I informed Jose that the string of events in my mind, were a precursor to something that was going to be more catastrophic, like a serious injury or fatality happening in the near future. And I would usually wait to schedule a meeting with this guy, Jose. Um, but I stood in his doorway and I told him, you know what, there's nothing more important than the message I need to deliver at that moment. Sort of an intervention. And I'd have to say, but direct, not with the person that was in, involved in the incident, but with the plant manager. And so this first event, the first event that happened was a 20-gallon isopropyl alcohol leak. Um, it was a misfeed on a connection, and there was a state-to-error pattern or human factor. The second event was an employee that fell off a stepladder, and the, there was a serrated edge on the edge of that ladder, and they did not engage footlocks um, because they were in a hurry. Again, human factor, but they did break a leg. So it was almost to the point where a serious injury was going to be a problem. Um, and then the footlocks themselves were actually added after the fact, but uh, it didn't really address human factors. It's just something that they had helped with the systems. And then the third event, um, which is when the intervention occurred, was a door that was left cracked open in a FDA-controlled environment for patient plasma. The door being opened, human factors, a human forgot to close the door. And so uh, this caused quality issues that in that whole room of plasma, which ended up scrapping $20 million in lost plasma. Wow. And wow. this is just pre-pandemic. So once the third occurred, I gave Jose the look, stood in his doorway. As Jack would say, you know the look. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he opened his door, cleared his calendar for an hour. And uh, to give a shout out to Rod Wagner, who's been on our podcast several times. Rod was with me. And we laid out a roadmap um, in regards to using the human factors framework where they were missing a gap on organizational learning. And um, he needed to turn his poor human factor climate in that current situation around. I would have stood there at his door until he actually heard me. And so <laughs> first we told him to be more visible, but we, we got to a terminology called pause, think and respond instead of react. Um, and this helped raise awareness both in the individual learning loop and it improved uh, better organizational learning overall. And I think intervention was the, the key component here. Sure. Well, and, and that's the other thing is that 
organizational and individual learning loop, I mean, there are certainly opportunities there uh, for us to intervene as well, right? Um, it, it does mm -hmm. seem to, as with most things, uh, start with leadership. And I hate to go John Maxwell here. I mean, but I mean, everything does rise and fall on leadership, right? At, at various times, right? And, you know, thinking about leadership and particularly uh, supervisory leadership, frontline supervisor leadership, uh, you mentioned safe lead a minute ago. That really is a lot about what that process is all about, uh, helping supervisors become better human factors coaches, helping them to understand what they need to do to intervene. And uh, that's, a, that's a huge part of the safe lead process. By the way, if you're looking for a podcast on that uh, uh, and haven't heard it in a while, there's a, a podcast that goes back to actually to August of 2020. Hard to believe it's been that far back. Uh, that we did with Derek uh, called Transforming Supervisors into Great Leaders. And I think we've actually just reintroduced that one again. Uh, as I'm looking at our Safe Talk with Safe Start uh, list here, uh, we re-list it with the, the title that Derek is using now as a, as a topic for a conference presentation. Uh, and I love this title. We've upped our supervisory skills, up yours. So um, <laughs> I guess when we say up yours, it's a yeah, little different meaning there to what we probably normally think of when we hear that that phrase right uh, uh but anyway <laughs> I, I think it's a great great podcast if everybody has a chance go back and, and give it a listen uh, because it's a really really uh, great way to kind of focus back on on how supervisors can improve their skills right yeah that's a great point derek did come to that facility that rod was, and i was at and shared some leadership examples and i can't believe danny that it's been two years I mean, let's see. We did our first podcast in May of 2020. Wow. God, where did the time go? I know. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> I guess, I guess that's what they say is, I know it's what they say is true. Um, time flies when you're having a good time, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it has been a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, going back to this idea again about intervening on others' behalf, um, you said something a minute ago, it kind of caught my, my ear, you know, uh, People that look at you and, and maybe our listeners who are the particular those who are safety directors, safety managers uh, in, in that safety lead role, uh, maybe you've had your folks who have looked at you and, and said something like, well, isn't that your job? You know, you are the safety person. But um, I, I don't think we see that quite as much as we did, say, 20 years ago or, or ever how many ago, years ago it was when we first got involved in safety ourselves. Um but I think now that it, we are seeing more and more of that attitude that uh, I want to use an, an old phrase. I mean, we, we have become our brother and sister's keepers, right? Yeah. I got to tell you, it makes me think back when I started in safety and I'm not going to say that that was, I don't know, more than 20 years ago. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> safety was kind of a one man or kind of a one woman band. Yeah you know, part compliance, part risk management, part HR. I mean, the list goes on. But for me personally, risk management has always treated me the most. However, with that said, I really only have one set of eyes and I, I, I cannot be everywhere at once. I can't. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the things that I always pushed when I was a safety director. Uh, I looked uh, particularly to the, to the key, you know, supervisors and leaders in each one of the plants. I was at one time responsible for four different plants, plus our corporate office, plus some satellite office. 
not even mentioning all of the outside sales reps uh, that we had scattered all over the place in 20 some odd states. Um, you know, that was one of the things that I always push folks was, hey, I need you to be the leaders in safety here. And it, it was funny because I often had people who would look at me and they'd say, well, yeah, but I'm not a leader. And I, my comment was always, well, kind of comical, but I meant it seriously. You know, it's like, look around. If you got somebody that's asking you on a day-to-day basis about how to do something or what to do next or whatever, you may not be a supervisor, but you're a leader, you know? And so mm-hmm. you can certainly help lead in safety. Right. And so a part of it is just, you know, them realizing, hey, I'm I am only one person, but together, um, it can be a, a huge, huge difference. I mean, here at Safe Start, we've uh, adopted a philosophy and within our processes of, of one team, you know, it's bit ourselves, our consulting, our our marketing group, uh, administration, whoever it is, we're we're all one team. And I think a lot of people need to kind of adopt that in terms of safety as well, right, is is realize we're all one team. We're all looking out for each other. Uh, It's it's really key, particularly when we start thinking about things like 24-7 safety. You know, we're all one team. Our families are part of that team. You know, we need to do things to to really just help watch out for each other and not be afraid to speak up when we see something that's going a little sideways or somebody taking an unsafe action or putting themselves at more risk, right? Yeah, that's a great kind of value proposition. I will say this, I it's just happened. Um, I ran into the garage door the other day while I was trying to duck under it, uh, trying to get into the house quicker. <laughs> and of course, guess who was there to watch it all? She, it was Miss Sheila. And I'm going to tell her, you said... She would. She, she actually should work on her own intervention skills with me. I'm going to say you said that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You don't say that to her. You can say I said it because that may get you in trouble, right? Of course, right. you're like me. If, if, if you bumped your head in, and again, this is me talking to you, saying we're like each other here. If uh, if one of us bumps our head into the garage door, you you have to worry about the garage door too, right? Did our big old head uh, damage that, right? Anyway, uh, yes, I said that out loud, people. I know some of y'all that know us well were thinking it anyway. Uh, so anyway, uh, you thinking about that though, Tim, you wonder if her lack of intervention was intentional? Never mind, we won't go there, right? <laughs> now that you mentioned it, um, it kind of, <laughs> okay. Seriously though, that kind of underscores the importance of sharing safe start especially with your family sure yeah well i mean it's an outgrowth of that cert you know looking at others i mean yeah we internalize that and we look at somebody else making a mistake or nearly making a mistake and we say hey that's something i need to avoid doing myself that kind of helps us internalize that state to your pattern but it also does give us that opportunity to intervene particularly if it's a friend or a family member or a co-worker um that's a great extension of that that cert that we teach uh, at the very beginning of Safe Start, looking at others, right? So again, um, you know, I think this is a great opportunity just to remind everybody to really start working on some of those cultural things and really just try to develop the environment where it's it's safe for somebody to speak up, uh, and then just continue to to reinforce them using that Safe Start language. 
and I, I encourage you as well, key in on your safe start uh, on your on your supervisors rather. I think they're really key to reinforcing the the safe start terminology. Just having them use that in their meetings that they're having, and I'm not just talking about the safety meetings. You know, they can talk about having your eyes and mind on task when they're talking about a quality issue that they're having. Right? They can use that when they're talk use line of fire or the states when they're talking about a production example that they're dealing with or, or how to correct something. Because we find sometimes those same human factors are, are there as well, right? That's right. It's kind of a great note to end on. I, I want to remind everybody, just make sure you get out there. Don't forget to check those two podcasts that Danny mentioned. Uh, the original title for the first one was Transforming Supervisors into Great Leaders, which has been changed. <laughs> Talk about transformation and to have your supervisors up your game, up yours. And don't forget and don't forget psychological safety with myself and Rosa Antonio Carrillo. Um, Danny, any final thoughts? Uh, just a couple of things, you know, as we start wrapping this up, you know, uh, just again, the idea here that, well, we really are kind of our own brothers and sisters keepers, right? And uh, I know that may sound a little hokey or a little corny, whatever, but um, we don't want to... We don't want to be that person that's having to deal with the aftermath of something that we could have helped prevent if we'd just spoken up, you know, and I think that's a really, really key thing. I heard a, a presentation about someone uh, by someone at the, the recent National Safety Council Congress that um, he, he mentioned something in his presentation that, you know, if I had just spoken up, if I had done this then not only would I have potentially not been hurt, but maybe my friend would, would still be alive too. You know, we don't want to be in that mm -hmm. position. Uh, and I think that's a really, really key thing. Um, so many times that, uh, so many times that I wish that we could, and I wish we had that, that perpetual time machine that we could go back and, and undo some of those things where we just wish that we had a spoken up. Right. Sure. Wow, you put those two things in the same sentence together. The guy speaking, astronaut, probably been launched into space and maybe lost a little bit of time because of the time-space sure. continuum. Exactly. Anyways, well said, uh, Danny. I, I would say on behalf of Danny and the rest of the team at Safe Talk with Safe Start, I want to say thank you for listening. Trust me when you know that we make this podcast something that you could take on the go. And don't forget, please make sure you share this podcast. And so I'm Tim Page Potter, and on behalf of the team, we'll catch up with you down the road. Take care.